our first guest. <laughs> yeah. We need a, a like applause track. Woo! I'll just do that. It's time. <laughs> Welcome to the Moms for Social Justice podcast, where we talk about how you can make your community a more awesome place. In this episode, Mari and I talked to Chaney Lanham, founder of Hope Community Fridge, about why she started this project and how it helps tackle the issue of food insecurity in our area. I found this chat with Chaney really inspiring and informative. She's a mom that just saw an opportunity to help others and she made it happen. Her heart is so generous and caring and kind, and I want there to be more Cheneys in the world. And maybe that could be you, or already is you. Even with an issue like food insecurity, which feels insurmountable and too big for one person to tackle, I hope that you can feel empowered to do something and know that your contribution is so meaningful, especially to those that directly benefit. I hope you enjoy this episode and our chat with Cheney. Welcome to the Moms for Social Justice podcast. This will be episode five. Five, I think. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, and exciting. And it's our first episode with a real live human guest. <laughs> not a As robot. to an AI. Not, yeah, not AI. Chaney is real. Um, and we're so excited to have you, Chaney. Thank you. Uh, Yes. So uh, a little bit about Moms for Social Justice, in case you aren't aware of who we are. We're um, a progressive grassroots organization, and we're located here in beautiful Chattanooga, Tennessee. It is beautiful right now, isn't it? It is. I think it's peak leaf time. Peak Mm -hmm. peak leaf. Yeah. And then they're going to get blown away. And they're going to turn brown because we've had no rain. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, so we're here in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and um, we work to help empower parents to fight for social change in their own backyard. And our guest today is doing just that, which is very exciting. So uh, before we get into that, we like to start with a little like a what's on your heart segment. So um, Rosie, do you want to start us off? Yes, I am presenting at career day at my kids' school today, so I'm going to present what it means to be a graphic designer or a designer in general, and I think it's always really interesting, like, how do you break down your job to, like, an understandable way for third graders to to get? Because you don't need to give them all the nitty-gritty details. You just want them to be interested in your field in general and kind of get an idea of what it is that somebody with that title like what they do so I had fun this morning like building a presentation on you know what a fashion designer does and what an industrial designer does and a UX designer and how we all solve problems and the different ways that we're thinking about you know shape and color and line and form and materials and things like that to in order to solve our problems and anyway I I hope it goes well (laughs) The the awesome thing about awesome and brutal thing about kids is that they will be immediately honest with you oh, yeah. if you they think you're dumb and that mm-hmm. you're not doing a good job. Um, but, you know, as a designer, I'm grateful always for that immediate feedback. And I can take that and process that and just do better, mm-hmm. have some revisions and do better next time. Yeah. 
Well, that sounds so exciting. They're going to love it. They're all going to want to be designers. Oh, I great. hope not. The, no it's more very saturated. No vet, veterinarians. <laughs> just designers. Just designers. Actually, that would be cool. It that would. would be cool. <laughs> and, the, and then when they're older, we'll better understand the job market and like hiring prospects and stuff right. like that. And it's just, <laughs> eh. <laughs> Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, all right, Chaney, what, uh, what is on your heart today? Um, we're just getting ready for the trick-or-treats that we're going to be doing this weekend. Uh, we have one in Eastridge we're going to do tomorrow, and then Sunday we'll be at the Sea Theater with y'all. Yes. And do you do Halloween Halloween trick-or-treating? No one comes by our house. Oh, okay. We don't do it here, but I'm thinking about, I heard a bell bar down in Brainerd. They have a good neighborhood, so I might Yes, down there. actually, one of my best friends, um, she has since moved, but she had a house in Belvoir. Uh-huh. So our group of friends, we would just converge on her house, and we would make kind of like a haunted Aww. yard. I love So it. my husband... Yeah, my husband would be the grave digger, and he would just, like, scrape his shovel on the sidewalk. And, like, kids were, like, just running through and screaming, not getting any candy. As the parents were, like, cackling by the street, they're like, this is awesome. <laughs> like, we just traumatized your child. I hope this is okay. Anyway, it was so much fun. We did it for a few years. It was great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mari. Spooky season. You, yes, yes, you do love spooky season. <laughs> I'm a fan. Let's see. What's on my heart is a little heavier. As a family, we had to put down our kitty cat Mm. this past week, which was tough. He he had lymphoma and, you know, it was time. It's a hard decision to make. But uh, the reason it's on my heart now is I'm just so proud of my kiddos because this is the first time we've ever had to put a pet down while they've been old enough to understand what's going on. And so it was nice for me because I wasn't alone and my daughter actually wanted to be there with us, you know, when, when we put the kitty down and the vet said that was like really important and, you know, gives children closure. And I, I kept going back and forth and then I ultimately left it up to her. So she's 11. And then, uh, my seven-year-old son, he knew exactly what, what parts he wanted to be involved in and what parts he didn't. Uh, which I thought was pretty cool. I think I would have been really unsure at that age. And he was like, I want to talk to the vet. I want to ask some questions. Then I want to leave. And then I want to come back when it's done and say goodbye. And I was like, oh, oh, that's very wise. Both of your kids are so, they're so like in tune with themselves. It's awesome. Well, I hope so. But um, anyway, so, you know, of course it was sad and hard, but uh, I was very First of all, the organization Lap of Love was amazing. They came to our house and the vet mm-hmm. was so cool and talked us through all the real scientific medical stuff, but then also made it like very like, oh, and now he's crossed the rainbow bridge kind of stuff. So really, really a great experience. And then it was just, it was beautiful and and not what I expected in a positive way. So yeah, kind of just, I think, remembering that our kids can handle more sometimes than we we think that they can and to include them more. Um, I think, you know, a lot of us were raised by people who thought that maybe we needed to be shielded from a lot. Yes. Um, and I think we're learning now, you know, that kids can, I don't know, they're, they're just, they're so amazing and they can handle so much more than 
a lot of people give them credit for it. And it's, you know, kind of an interesting segue into book banning and all of that. <laughs> like this idea of banning ideas and thoughts and not allowing kids to have nuanced conversations about heavy topics. Like my daughter could handle, you know, watching her cat die while she was holding it and, and like approached it with such grace. And I, it was, it was, it was neat. I'm really sorry about your cat, but yeah, I think that was, that's so cool that you were able to include both of your kids in the way that they wanted, that they chose to be included in that process. And yeah, yeah, like like you said, to give them closure. Um, Because when we, we've had to put a few dogs down since our, since we've had kids, but they were quite young still at that point. So it was sort of like, we'll shuttle them off to somebody else's house while Mm we do that process but for one of our dogs we also did um at home euthanasia just because she hated the vet so much and yeah it was a very peaceful process and then when we picked up her ashes they even had almost like a little like I don't know altar or chapel um and you could add a lego block to like the rainbow bridge and write your pet's name on like yeah add it to the I know. I thought that was so cool. I I will say uh, vets that really that specialize in that kind of end of life uh, care are really special human beings. And I I struggled for a long time, I think, to see putting your pet to sleep as like as something positive. But it truly is, you know, you're ending Mm -hmm. ending their suffering. And because there's, you know, you can't put a pet in a wheelchair (laughs) necessarily or something like that. Um, We don't have round-the-clock hospice care for animals and so we do the best that we we can for them and sometimes that is the best that we can do for them mm-hmm. um, and just reflecting too and you know the the whole it's not just the end of life but it's the whole life that right. we've we've given them um, yeah. and I know that you gave your kitty a great life <laughs> he's a stinker sometimes but <laughs> <laughs> he came and found us and was like you're now my family <laughs> Oh That's yeah, cool. we had one I'm of those. Moving in, mm-hmm. I was like, "All right, the cat distribution system worked." <laughs> <and laughs> looking forward to see what it brings us next, because I'm sure we'll get another one. Um, so-, so now um, we want to talk about something very exciting, and I think kind of timely uh, the the community fridge, and that is why Cheney is here with us today because, you know, coming up on Thanksgiving and the holidays, I feel like that's when a lot of people think about, oh, I should donate food to folks that are less fortunate or, you know. Yeah, there's the food drives. Food drives. Churches mm-hmm. are always, you know. the Volunteering yeah, so, at soup kitchens, stuff like that. Yes. Right. And so, you know, we thought it would be really appropriate to talk to Cheney today just to kind of hear like her experience of starting an organization like the community fridge I think there are a lot of misconceptions mm-hmm. um I it love it affects more people than we realize almost definitely yes, definitely does and I love I'm, I feel cool I have a visual aid <laughs> today I'm the cool brochure if you um, if you're listening Mari is holding up this awesome yes. brochure that Cheney actually put together Designed. it's really cool yeah it's, it's kind of so cool. got like a ransom note style <laughs> it does, <laughs> it does. I but I think it. I think that works well because this is a yeah community organization that is very grassroots and so yeah you're pulling different pieces the designer in me is working right now you're pulling different pieces <laughs> From other, just like how you would pull different pieces from a magazine. Anyway, that's, it, I, like I mean, that's exactly it. 
Because, um, <laughs> like, with the fridge, it's a zero-waste initiative. Yeah, like so, Cheney, um, that's a perfect little segue into, you know, zero-waste and, and talking about the awesome organization that is the Community Fridge. So, if you don't mind introducing yourself and, you know, give the little elevator pitch. Uh, oh, no. Of... <laughs> it doesn't have to be perfect <laughs> of what the community fridge is. I'm sure you're good at talking about that because mm-hmm. you talk about it all the time. Oh my goodness. <laughs> to everyone. It's all I ever think about too. I'm Chaney. I started Hope Community Fridge in 2001. My, at the time, my son was a Boy Scout at Wesley Memorial Church. And so, you know, with their help, we got our first community fridge running. And so it's goal is to reduce uh, food waste and food insecurity in our neighborhood. So like if you have a can of corn that you're not ever going to eat, that's just collecting dust in your pantry, just drop it off at the fridge. And I mean, stuff goes in and out of the community fridge so quickly, like nothing's sitting there for like more than three days. So wait, did this start as like a scout project? Like one of a community scout, or it was just a need that you all saw. For me, there's a lot to go into the fridge. I was angry when I first started it because um, my grandmother, my tutu mama, she is from Hawaii, up in Oahu, 2021. Um, the Red Hill military base um, was leaking jet fuel, and <sighs> just this month they got them to shut it down, and they're gonna start cleaning clean it up so i couldn't directly um help anyone way over there so i was like what can i do here to like channel my anger into and that was you know helping taking care of my own community wow yeah that's really that sounds very similar to the catalyst for moms for social justice and you know it we talk about it all the time everything is so heavy right now um and it has been (laughs) A while. Years. A while. Um, but we have found that the best way, like, um, honestly, it's almost selfish. We've found that the best way to, like, not feel overwhelmed and not feel despair is to find ways to help the community that we live in. And it's also, like, as I said, a little selfish because it's so nice to be able to really see the change because, yes, Doing things on a a national or global scale is, of course, incredibly important. But a lot of times, like if you donate to a, you know, a fund that's helping folks, maybe, you know, in Israel or something like that, you're not necessarily going to see that. You don't see that impact. Yeah. Right. Whereas, Chaney, you probably get to see people actually come get food from the fridge you see the whole process maybe someone brings the thing and donates it and then off it goes and it's used and and you know gives someone sustenance and makes them feel cared for so yeah that's that's really that's really important and that's kind of why we started this podcast was to encourage people all over to Rosie puts it which I love make their community a more awesome place because I think I think we get very sometimes tunnel vision in our own lives Mm -hmm. and things and so yeah if we're gonna live in that society we need to take time to care about each other 100 percent. and I'm I'm curious um was your church at the time doing some kind of like food outreach program 
and you were like expanding on it or was this like something that totally like where did you get the idea to even do this oh definitely there's a community fridge the chattanooga community fridge on union Mm -hmm. now when we were down there we would drive past to see if they had anything but um for us it was like a 20 30 minute drive my family sometimes deals with food insecurity but wesley memorial they used to um you know, help people with vouchers for the food bank and stuff. So they were totally mm-hmm. on board to having a community fridge, too. It's one thing to say, like, hey, wouldn't this be great if we had a fridge out here? And it's another thing to actually do it. Mm-hmm. So what was that process like? Did you have to raise funding? Were you Ooh. like, how did you source a fridge? Obviously, it sounded like the church was very on board. Did they help with okay. some of putting that together yeah they helped um you know they provide this space they pay for electricity um they helped like assemble the wooden stuff the boy scout troop uh 137 they talked to home depot they got all the lumber for us and i just found the fridge on marketplace someone was giving it away for free so wow yeah so i waste (laughs) exactly yeah well and i think that goes to show it can be the actual doing doing of an idea can be really intimidating, but you you shared your idea very quickly with the people around you, and they were like on board. and And I think that's imp- and that's an important lesson or something that people can take away is if you have a great idea, share it with people that you know and trust, and like I bet they'll help find a way to make that happen. How long has that uh, has that? I think in June 2022 is when we actually got it built and it was up and running. Oh, okay. And you've expanded beyond that, just that one, right? Yeah, now we have a location on Brainerd, um, mm-hmm. pretty close to Grace Episcopal Church. Can you kind of describe, like, what is the setup? Because I feel like you hear Community Fridge and I don't know that everyone realizes it's an actual refrigerator. <laughs> you know, I feel like, I don't know, in my mind when I first heard about it, I thought, is this something like a food bank where you go in and you talk to it's a, a building, and yeah. you, you get maybe what you need or you have to, to show that you need something or, I, you know, I wasn't mm-hmm. really sure. So uh, actually seeing the setup that it's an actual refrigerator with, you know, freezer in the top, fridge in the bottom, and then um, there's also some shelving, right, for, like, yep. pantry-type items. Yeah, so kind of, um, yeah, describe that a little bit. Yeah, well, so anybody can come to the community fridge. You know, we don't ask, you know, what your living wage, how many dependents you have. Like, if you need food, come and take the food. Mm-hmm. That That's it. You just have to get there. So we have, like, pantry space build and which we're going to like insulate this year so hopefully um things oh. don't freeze last yes. year cans of peas mm-hmm. froze and like that's not helpful to anyone it's <laughs> true we did have some extra cold temperatures last year though, Ooh, too, yes so. we did so that's smart we insulated the fridge so hopefully that'll be okay you just walk up and take whatever you need seriously which is so awesome because I think one of the one of the hard things about food insecurity is asking for help. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of shame tied mm-hmm. tied to that. Um, 
people feel like they failed, which is absolutely not the case. But it can be really intimidating and really hard to go to a food bank like at a church where you have to enter a space or, you know, another program where you have to kind of show that you need assistance. Um, And this is something that, like you said, that anybody can walk up to and grab whatever they need, how much Mm -hmm. or however much or however little, Mm -hmm. um, without any questions, without um, and, and judgment, the, uh, shame. without judgment, without shame. Yeah. Right. Um, I love that. And isn't it, it's like the motto, the solidarity, not charity. Oh yeah. I, that. I think that's, that's really a beautiful sentiment. And I think if we could shift the collective conscious in that direction, I think it would change the way that so many people look at helping others because right now it feels very like transactional or like judgmental you see someone that's asking for money and you know I feel like people instantly have a a reaction and Mm -hmm. um, yeah so this is I think a beautiful way to to help each other yeah um, and we've worked with the Chattanooga free store before and that feels very you know very similar mutual aid store where anybody I can go in and like pick Mm -hmm. out some clothes for myself or clothes for my kids I can bring some things that I'm done using or my kids are done using and it's very um positive space to be in and I love that you've created that around food because yeah there is so much shame tied tied to just asking for help in general or needing needing help yeah and it shouldn't be like that always think of like you know little babies they cry that's like one of the first things we do as humans is like cry for help like why do we like suppress that when we get older well yeah and and just like in start you you know you starting the fridge or like us starting msj we had to ask for help you had to ask for help you know we're all not experts at at everything or at you know (laughs) <laughs> building a pantry or filing paperwork or or any of that and letting people know about your vulnerabilities is important because that lets people in and grows community and connections and then awesome stuff like the hope community fridge happens yes mm-hmm. i see your kitty yes this <laughs> i'm tiger Hi, Tiger. You can tell I'm a cat person. (laughs) I was like, oh, are those ears? (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I had a question about like what what is something that you think when in talking to people about this work that you do, what is something that you hear a lot of or that you've heard people say that maybe isn't true about um, food insecurity or... uh, I don't know, just kind of some misconceptions that maybe people have that you can, uh, you know, bring, shed some light on. Well, I mean, food insecurity shows no mercy. Our elderly are food insecure. Our veterans, our school children, like our students, like it touches everybody. Like I've heard people say, you know, oh, I don't want to help people because they're just going to then spend their money on drugs or something. It's like, if they're hungry, we should uplift our neighbors, you know, mm-hmm. and like, you know, bring them out of suffering. Unconditional help. Yeah, like, we don't need to put conditions on, you know, you don't hand someone a $5 bill and say, but you have to spend it on, it on. 
Right. Yeah. Something I think you need, not what you actually need. Yes. And you would hope that people are experts in their own lives and know (laughs) how to best spend the $5 that you give Mm -hmm. them or whatever. Right. Sometimes like um, people are worried, like just one person's taking all the food. And I'd like to remind them, like, we don't know their story. Like, mm-hmm. they could be taking care of their elderly neighbor, or they could be, like, a family of five. Like, right? we, we don't know. Right, yeah, yeah. and it's our, not our place to ask or judge. Right. Um, and, Cheney, you were talking about how it affects everyone. I think um, there was just a report, like, last week or this week from the U.S. Department of Agri- Agriculture that more than 44.2 million Americans mm-hmm. um, are in households that, or have lived in households that have struggled with hunger in 2022. And that's an increase of over 10 million from the previous year. And in this, uh, another survey found about one in six adults relied on chari- charitable food, such as free groceries or meals last year and that was higher for black and latino households and also single parent households Mm. um so when we talk talk about food insecurity i think we have a picture in our head of what that person who is dealing with that may look like Mm -hmm. not you know but i think about my grandma who gets meals on wheels um Mm -hmm. and she is a, a benefit of a program that helps people who are food insecure when we pay our tax dollars to, to you know to go to our public schools, we are also helping provide meals for kids who are food insecure and rely on that breakfast and that lunch every day, and mm-hmm. even meals over the summer, in order um, to make it through the day not hungry. So it, as you said, yeah, I think affects way more people than than we realize. I mean, statistically, like. We all know someone who's food insecure, whether they like are vocal about it or not. Right. Again, like the the shame aspect of it makes it a a quieter problem than it mm-hmm. actually is something because we don't talk about it because we're feel too proud or are worried what other people are going to think about us if we say I'm having trouble making ends meet this month and I only have $25 left to spend on groceries and that's not going to be enough for my me and my three kids. Yeah. Understanding that like everybody is probably just doing the best that they can and um, economically things are really difficult right now. I mean we've seen even just the price of groceries increase astronomically oh, yeah. since COVID um, and that and you know things like rent and stuff and so trying but we haven't seen wages rise at the same weight mm-hmm. or that? same rate. Um, so we're seeing people really struggling to try to fit these puzzle pieces together and just something has got to give. And I think that's awesome that if if that grocery puzzle piece isn't going to fit in their in what they have that month, that they can go to a community fridge or a mutual aid store mm-hmm. and get what they need. Because being in food insecure is traumatic and right. it, it can affect all aspects of your life. Oh, definitely. Yes. I mean, how can a student concentrate on like their classwork if their like stomach is hurting? There was a study about um, like standardized testing uh, that came out a few years ago. And the best way to increase scores for standardized testing is to make sure that students are fed. And it astronomically increases stores, uh, scores. 
And it's, you know, it's not like extra study time. It's not, you know, prep work leading up to the test. It's just not being hungry. (laughs) It was what will get kids to focus. That's Um, a good uh, plug for the state of Tennessee to accept that federal funding (laughs) that our governor is saying we don't want for some reason um, to help some of these awesome, bright, talented students in our schools that folks claim to care so much. A lot of that money goes toward that, toward feeding them. Oh, yeah. That's, I find that so infuriating just because yeah. that they don't want to get this funding just because they have to spend it a certain way. Which one of those certain ways is yes, feeding ki- kids. Oh, no, don't, um, can't do that. Ew. Right. How dare we? Now, that yeah. that is conditional money because... <laughs> Because we don't want our state to just decide to spend it on sports or something like that. <laughs> well, and I feel like our, our state in particular, well, I mean, I guess every state, but, you know, they, they always are trying to, like, look for these ways on, like, how to increase test scores. And now we mm-hmm. all of our schools are going to have, like, a letter grade attached to them, which isn't helpful. Um, but then we're going to take away um, this important funding that feeds our kids or right. that you know, provide services for our special needs students. It just blows my mind. And it's, yeah, I'd say, I think these type of issues, if you don't live in a red state, uh, (laughs) is maybe not something that you're, you're aware of. Cause you know, in blue states, usually there's a lot more um, like social aid programs available Mm -hmm. for people that are, there's more programs and they're more easily accessible in here. That's just not the case. Right. Um, and it's going to be hard, you know, there's less of those programs available. And then also we're going to see funding for even just in public spheres like school, see that funding dry up. Um, and so that's why it's so important um, for people like you, Cheney. Like, I'm so glad that you're doing what you're doing because these services and programs are just so vitally important um, mm-hmm. in our area, in these red states. Yes, um, they really, really are. <laughs> I'm kind of curious what, uh, what goes the fastest? What, what do you, what are you finding that you need the most that maybe would translate also to other areas as far as, you know, like maybe fresh produce goes the fastest, mm-hmm. especially since I know it's so expensive. So tell us a little bit about what what the community fridge needs the most of and and maybe cadence as far as like we said at the beginning a lot of people think about donating around the holidays but you know are there other times of year that that folks are hungry yes all All the time (laughs) (laughs) yeah I mean we will definitely see an increase of people coming during the winter as you know like heating and electric skyrocket um, but things that go by the quickest, definitely fresh fruit, that would be gone. Proteins, like um, the little tuna packets, those will go okay. really quickly, as well as like any type of water or juice. Um, okay. For some reason, sweet potatoes, they hang around a while. I don't know why. Okay. <laughs> I was I was literally just thinking about sweet potatoes <laughs> like when you were talking about fresh produce because I am a sweet potato fan I love them and they're pretty inexpensive mm-hmm. and they provide your body with like all of the amino acids and everything that you like they are a complete exactly. meal like, they're one of the best things that you can eat 
Um, so that makes me sad. Maybe we need like an educational, like a flyer, like with the potatoes. If you see sweet potatoes, snag that because it's gonna be great. Just steam it. You can put like some peanuts on top, or a little bit of butter, or even like some maple syrup is great. Maple it's syrup. Yeah. You're talking Good. to fellow sweet potato fans, I think. I love. Take me I'll to eat Japan it anyway. Yeah, because they just have it as like street food in Japan, right? Oh, oh wow. So good. Maybe it's just because they're they take a long time to prepare. I don't know. Yeah, I mean that's one thing you I think about at least when I buy for the fridge is like who can use this? Do they have a stove? Mm-hmm. Do they have a microwave? Like, do they ha- even have an oven? So right, yeah. I know that I've heard you know with um, mac and cheese or something mm-hmm. like that. Like like choose the box that. You don't need butter and yes. milk. Mm-hmm. You know, choose it the the just add water type of things because you know you may it it's kind of hard when you give someone something or, or they they choose it and they need it and they don't have all of the other things to make it happen so they have to put it back. Yeah, yeah. That no, that's a very very fair pair, point. Um, and like like the tuna packet, so that's something that's easy that you can open up and s- slap on a piece of bread or a cracker, mm-hmm. um, and it's very filling. Mm-hmm. Um, or like, you know, an apple, you can just eat that. Whereas, yeah, a lot the vegetables might be harder. Right? Even like some of the canned goods you need or you would want, hopefully, a way to like heat some of those up. Because a lot of hotels, they, you know, don't have stovetops. Right. Or they might just have right. a micro microwave. Mm-hmm. Right. And maybe um, a mini fridge if that. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else about like the food insecurity landscape in our area that you wish people knew or at, you, do you think there's anything in particular to our area or to Chattanooga or just like red states in general? I'm not sure if it's anything unique, but I mean, you can see just like grocery stores just shutting down because of theft. Yeah. So they say. Right. Which is, yeah. So they say, right. And, and theft mm-hmm. is just a sign of poverty. Uh, poverty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, uh, needs are not being met Mm -hmm. in an area and i know like where you the newer community fridges on brainerd that is a food desert um Mm -hmm. there was a walmart there and it closed down because of like you said you know theft quote unquote right yep um and so now folk there are a lot of folks a lot of folks that live in that area and it's very um accessible to public transportation Mm mm-hmm and unfortunately, there's nowhere on that road to get fresh food. I don't even know if there's like a Dollar General or anything on that I road. Thi- I think um, there's a gas station and people buy their milk from the gas station. When you, but when you think about like how far somebody would have to travel oh, yeah. in order to get access to produce and canned goods yep. and things like that, um, that creates a huge barrier for people. Yes. Especially especially if you're working multiple jobs or uh, you're working different shifts and public transportation is not not available at those times. Um, if you don't have, you know, you don't have a car or you only have uh, so much money available for gas every month. Mm-hmm. I you know, you were talking about the the fridge that you would visit being over half an hour away. So increasing access to different communities is super important. And, you know, I wonder, like, on a municipal level, like, how do we 
and we don't we don't have to have the answer to this question because I'm not <laughs> I'm not part of city government or county government. But, you know, I like are there ways to incentivize grocery stores to build in areas where there are food deserts? Um, because I think about in the area of town that I live in, we have like 12 grocery stores mm-hmm. in a 10 minute drive area. It's ridiculous. We do not need that many. In fact, they're building uh, there's a Publix on East Brainerd Road, and they're building another one just like less than five minutes mm-hmm. down the road mm-hmm. um, across from a food city. And there's another food That's city right. <laughs> yep. five minutes yep. down the road the other way. So, yeah, we don't we don't need it. But because the area is higher income, uh, right. they see, I guess, you know, more of an opportunity and less mm-hmm. of an opportunity in these uh, food desert areas. And I, But I think I, I wish and I'm sure there must be ways to – uh, subsidize or incentivize building grocery stores in these food desert areas. And I think about there's um there is a grocery store called Common Common Ground that is in a food desert in our area, and they provide a lot of like lo- more locally like sourced ingredients, mm-hmm. which is really neat because it's benefiting the local community. Oh yeah, uh, I love that. And, you know the consumer end and also the producers. Right. So I just saw you post, Janie, about needing a home for another fridge oh yeah so I guess kind of tell us the process so let's say someone listening might be like that sounds like something I could potentially do so what what's kind of the first step so you you actually have a refrigerator right yep someone donated another refrigerator to us so I've got it all cleaned out it's ready to go so step <laughs> one a would spot to put it yeah <laughs> um you know, step two is finding a host location. So when I'm looking for locations, it needs to be, um, you know, outside so people can just walk up to it. Mm-hmm. Um, little tidbits I'm looking for is like, does it have access to parking? Is there a sidewalk? Um, mm-hmm. You know, if I was in a wheelchair, could I come to the fridge? And then, you know, talking with the host, making them understand, you know, we are not policing the food. Right. We're not doing Mm -hmm. that. It's here for everybody. And then looking at the area, is there a food city right next door? Well, then, you know, maybe this isn't the best location, but like, Mm -hmm. if you want a fridge, we'll we'll put a fridge there. Does accessibility to public, because I know our public transportation system here is pretty limited. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I guess if it it is accessible to public transportation, that's a that's a gold star. Oh but, yeah, um, that might be hard to find, I'm sure. Yeah, like um, at Wesley Memorial, it's a 20 minute walk from the nearest bus stop. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, with no sidewalks either to it. So <laughs> we hate sidewalks in Chattanooga. <laughs> I, I don't think. know why. <laughs> I don't either. And benches. We don't want people to sit down. <laughs> And we want people to walk in the road. Yeah. <laughs> or in the grass. Get hit by a car. Right. It's, yeah. Well, luckily, though, we do have uh, people like the Chattanooga Urbanist Society that are trying to raise awareness of these issues and um, put benches places. Put, ben- put benches in places. Yeah. We should it's have a radical, a radical act. <laughs> putting a bench somewhere, I know. putting a fridge somewhere. What? crazy yeah have you ever received any kind of pushback from anyone whether on like the city or county level or um just individuals no uh-uh, everyone's no. been on, I'm, 
I mean, yeah, everybody should be on board, but you never know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, um, like our we try to keep up with code with the health department. Um, to the same way, like if health department were to go into the restaurant, you know, we're not going to have like raw meat sitting next to a carrot or anything right. like that. Mm-hmm. So if they were to say anything, like we're already nice and good. Yeah. How often and do you visit? I was just going to ask fridges? that. <laughs> oh, all the time. All the time. Because um, you're so awesome about posting this, like the current status of mm-hmm. this fridge and whether it's full or it needs some love and care. Oh, yeah. Like every day we have a volunteer go check the fridge. Um, they're checking the inventory, if it's clean, um, the temperature. And I think that's an, another thing, too, if you don't necessarily have the the funds or extra food that you can donate to the fridge, but you have some extra time and a mm-hmm. few cleaning supplies, you can go in and clean out the fridge, and that's a great help. Oh, because um, there's so, so much tremendous help. Yeah, there's so much food, you know, moving in and out every day. Um, and right. it's it, it feels good, I think, for people to be going to a space that is clean and welcoming. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and. And you guys like you know, you paint the the pantry with like a cool mural and stuff too, oh, right? Beautiful. Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, Alicia Burks. I'm, I'm probably butchering her name. She painted that for us. That's oh, beautiful. I yeah. I think sometimes we underestimate the value of like beauty and art, uh, mm-hmm. especially especially in spaces where things are being donated or giving given away for free mm-hmm. um but you know we should treat those things and those spaces with as much respect as we would in our own home and doesn't it feel so much more warm and welcoming and don't you feel cared for when you go to a space and there's a beautiful mural on the wall and right. everything's clean and um it's like it's like the same thing when people like donate stuff to goodwill i'm like this is dirty and broken y'all like you could (laughs) have just throw it in the trash or like clean it before you donate it somewhere it's not that much effort yeah so Um, our volunteers we do have like Lysol wipes and stuff obviously to clean it um so if there is a dirty can they they will just give it a quick shine over it oh they're just like at the site Mm -hmm. oh that's nice okay so yeah anybody can just go up and and clean out the fridge if they want to give a little bit of their time and make their community a more awesome place yeah that's and really at the cool. fridge too if people have um their phones they could scan this qr code and it's what the volunteers use and we really encourage our patrons to use it too um just to like fill out the data like if they're taking food if they're leaving food if there's mm-hmm. any issues um they can fill that out and that's really helpful um, I love great. that you're capturing all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I assume you guys take monetary donations as well. Oh, yeah. Well. Yeah. And, and you use that just for, like, big like big grocery shopping trips? Mm-hmm. And um, that helps us have money to build more fridges, too. Because I think awesome. last time we probably spent around $800 on building materials. Oh, wow. Yeah, building materials. Another thing that's gone up. Yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. And it's not going down anytime I, soon, it seems. Can I do this? Can yeah. people can scan it, maybe? Yeah. Well, and I'll put um, yeah. in our show notes a link to that website. <laughs> Thank and you. Con- contact information. So if anybody wants to help. Yeah. And to donate. Uh, to donate, to clean, 
whatever, or they need it themselves, Mm -hmm. um, they know where to go for that information. We're just so thankful that you did this and took the initiative and um, are caring for people in our community that you came on today to tell us a little bit about it because I think it's a it's a it's an accessible way for people to get involved in their community because you know even if you don't have the funds to donate food you like Rosie said you might have a little time to go check the fridge or maybe you don't even have time to do that but your church or uh you know rec center Maybe you have an in there and you feel like it could be a good spot for one. Oh, yeah. I've been racking my brain trying to think of a spot for that that new fridge. Do you have any leads? I have yet? a lead um, near UTC. I'm going to go meet them. Ooh, oh, that would be great. Next week, I believe. Great. Yeah. College students. Another group of people that are yeah. regularly food insecure that you wouldn't mm-hmm. think about. But yeah, for sure. And I, yeah. I so love talking to you and hearing about this project, especially as we said at the beginning of this episode, there is so much going on in the world and like your own personal story, right? Like we can't help. We Our hands are not physically part right. of that's the situation that is going on right now between Israel and Palestine. Mm-hmm. But we can help our own community um, in a lot of different ways. And this is one of the awesome ways that people can help. Well, thank you again so much. And uh, we look forward to hearing where that new fridge ends up and how it Wish me luck. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to find it for you. Our our community is. That'd be great. And don't forget, like clearly this is a clear example of moms getting shit done it is a clear example (laughs) and i love it so much yes thank you cheney thanks y'all thanks for listening to the moms for social justice podcast if you would like to support hope community fridge you can find links to the organization in our show notes and there you can learn more about donating money food or time Right now, they are working to assemble winter care kits, so I'll also leave a link to their Amazon wish list for items that they'll need to assemble those kits. We'll see you back here in two weeks. Bye!